Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, Screen Rats. I'm back in the UK. This is the first episode that I am recording since I got back from Belgium, where it was very wet, very expensive, and, you know, it was all right. It was great. I loved being in Europe. Um, I always miss it. Always, always miss it. I think I maybe chose the wrong city to go to with three children, but, you know. Uh, Antwerp, lovely place, absolutely stunning. We stayed in an Airbnb right in the middle of the old town. Wasn't a lot of cafes and places to go in the morning. And um, it was a little bit extortionate, if I'm honest. But maybe that's my fault. Maybe that's because I was used to the pound and, you know, the, the euro being less and us getting a lot more value for money. But yeah, I mean, it is hard to sort of stomach a 15 euro bagel, let's be honest. Um, I'm always on one. But I loved being in Europe. It was great fun. We went on the boat, which was <laughs> a seasick vehicle, let's just just say oh my god it was so rough I don't like flying I really don't like flying I've tried to only do long haul and not for any kind of you know climate change uh, carbon footprint thing although that would be you know a really you know noble reason my reason is simply because I just don't like small planes they scare the shit out of me so I'm only going to go on planes if I really have to like you know to America or Australia or something really really far away otherwise I'm going to try a different way so I went on the boat, didn't love it, couldn't sleep, certainly not on the way back. The idea of being on that sea for 16 hours on the North Sea after a massive storm as well was just uh, was a bit hard to bear. And I couldn't really believe that the boat wouldn't topple over. I mean, obviously, they're built for like, you know, 600 cars, loads of lorries and thousands of passengers. But to like just go to sleep and lie down in that cabin and just fall asleep, with that sort of inertia and feeling under you, I just don't get it. I sort of used to suffer with uh, vertigo in high places and sometimes not even high places. And I think this is the closest feeling to it. I realised uh, I just don't like the feeling of falling. That's why I don't like roller coasters, airplanes or boats. It's that it's that feeling under you of movement. I just, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, it's a bit weird. But in my 20s, I went through this very strange period of feeling like I could feel the earth spinning. Now, I know that's absolutely crazy and, and that you can't feel that. But I felt like it. I went through this weird... I don't know what, what you could even call it, really. If I looked at the moon, it would make me freak out because I could see where I was in space and time and, and it used to make me feel weird. And also I felt like if I went into a basement of a building, if I was to push my foot down through the floor, it would be like cracking an eggshell and my foot would somehow be hanging out in space. It's a very odd thing and it's hard to sort of explain. But the point is, I just... Uh, I don't like that feeling. I don't like the feeling. It could be, you know, I mean, some people just say it's being out of control and not feeling like you have any say in what's happening to you. So, you know, uh, I just kind of kept myself busy on the boat, organising and like, you know, unpacking some clothes and putting them in little piles and sort of concentrating on little jobs like, you know, getting the food ready and, you know, just a different kind of stress. And I felt the sort of cold on my back like I do sometimes when I'm about to fly and I get scared. Um, I, I don't know what to do about it. I've been on hundreds of planes. I've been on loads of boats. It doesn't go away. There's no cure for this, I don't think. Uh, all you can do is sort of talk your way through it. And after a while, and a couple of drinks does help, I'll be honest with you, uh, it takes the edge off. And it's always fun to watch the band. There's a band on the boat and they're sort of playing and they're standing up. They're standing up so straight and they're not dancing. And yet the boat is like fucking kicking left and right and up and down. And they're just like, they're like waxworks and they just stand there singing these songs. And there's a drummer who looks like one of those, you know, monkeys that you wind up and just like fucking hit the you know hit the symbols together and it, it's crazy I just don't know how they sort of keep a straight face really and you know people are running to doors and throwing up over the balcony as, as my son did which was really hard to watch but I used to suffer from that as a kid when I used to go to Ireland I'd be so seasick I mean it was unbelievable really um used to do the cork to Swansea route when it existed and it was just it was just 
you know, being sick all night. It was a horrible feeling, retching until there's nothing left. Anyway, what a lovely subject. Let's get to our guest. Now, today's guest is... I'm going to let her say her name first because I am really rubbish at this. Silla Yakert. Now, Silla Yakert, she is the writer, the screenwriter of Tuna Blah Linyan, uh, one of my favourite TV shows. Uh, as you may remember, a couple of weeks ago, we had the director of that show, Sana Lenken, on here talking about that. Now, Silla was also the head writer on the TV show Svaliskar, and she single-handedly wrote the film Shed No Tears. And she's... Uh, just check out her IMDb. She's done loads. And she's also an author. She's recently become an author. And she is currently writing season three of Tuna Blah Linyan, and I cannot wait for that. That's going to be absolutely excellent. And as I've said before, you can catch that show on Viaplay in the UK. And this is not a sponsorship deal. I wish they would. Come to me, come to me. It's a $3.99 a month, and I am now subscribed. I think it's an absolute bargain for what you get on there. You get all the uh, Nordic TV series and a bunch of movies as well. If you like uh, Scandinavian Nordic TV, you're going to love it. Swedish, Norwegian, Denmark even some Finnish stuff on there and Icelandic as well and just for clarification this is not uh, one of the funnier episodes this is a serious-ish episode I'd say and there's a lot of talk about the police there's talk about some sort of dark stuff as well um, and there's plenty of spoilers for Tunabla Linian although I do try to keep them at a minimum so as I said this is me talking to Silla Yakert Roll up, roll up Welcome to Television Times a new podcast with your host me, Steve Otis Gunn, will be discussing television in all its glorious forms. From my childhood, your childhood, the last 10 years, even what's on right now. So join me as I talk to people you do know and people you don't about what scared them, what inspired them, and what made them laugh and cry here on Television Times. I think it was you and uh, the guy who plays Jesse, is it Pearl Lasson? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and a yeah, police, yeah, yeah. and a regular, actual police. So what was that? It was Norwegian media days, I think. They wanted us to come and talk about Tunneblålinjen, uh, as you say in Sweden. Tunneblålinjen, hmm. yeah. I think they say in Norway. Oh, <laughs> or right, Thin right. Blue Line. <laughs> I can't call it that here because there's a Rowan Atkinson t- comedy show. I know show. that, I know <laughs> that. And I was told that before, so I know that. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah, what yeah. they call themselves, so. So I'm going to try and say it properly as well. How's it supposed to be said? Tunneblålinjen. Is that yeah. good? That's Excellent. perfect. Yeah. Right. So the reason, reason I'm speaking to you today, two things, is um, one, you know, Sana, who I knew yes. 25 years ago when she was in London, weirdly. We worked in a coffee bar together. That's how we okay. met. Okay. And she, she used to walk around London, take pictures with her camera, and we were really good friends. She's um, so I much think... younger than me, and she worked in London 25 years ago. I can't do the math here, but she's supposed to be five years old by then. Something like that. No, no she, she was very young. She used to take photos of me in black and white and stuff. And then I think with social media, we must have linked up and then just sort of seen each other's lives and then... When I knew the show was on, I did actually watch it originally because she was involved. Mm-hmm. And um, Sana said to me something like, um, oh, you probably won't get the intricacies because it's set in Malmo. It's very specific TV shows. But I found it very engrossing. I know like online people say, what do they say? Handheld gritty realism. <laughs> yeah, I heard what that. People yeah. Say. <laughs> but yeah. it, it's just like I found your show, the writing of your show, to just be immediately engaging. Like I was in there with the characters walking around. It just felt like you were watching real people. And I don't often feel like that when I'm watching TV. Thank you. Thank you. Not, That's nice to hear. You know, it's wonderful because it's like 
so many things I watch, especially if it's American, me and my wife will often turn to each other and go, oh, it's just actors <laughs> acting again, just watching actors <laughs> acting, you know? And the same and me, actors acting. Oh, the same actors, In yeah. In Sweden, that's... it's always the same actors acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> over and then it wasn't over and I thought oh what's this now and it came out of nowhere nowhere and I've never seen it done like that never and it, it made me cry I was blown away it's just it's so moving so moving it's the no I love to make people cry uh, as a professional not <laughs> in my everyday life but uh, yeah. that yeah I, I wanted to life happens and it happens to Leah I, I can't talk so much about it, as you said. Maybe pe- people haven't seen the show and wanted to see it. So. Something about your show, it, it just uh, blows me away. So happy there's a season three. Are you working on that now? Yes, I am. We're starting filming in uh, November 1st, I think. I'm not sure, actually, but very right. close. And I'm uh, working on this all the screenplays on my own this time. Wow. So um, it's a lot of work, but I won't do any more with the thin blue line. But if someone else wants to pick up and then the SVT wants to do more, that's fine. I can help. But this is my, in Sweden we call it Svan song. I think it's really hard to explain, but you know, the last song you do for yeah, this swan, show anyway. Yeah, song. Yeah, we have the same song. Yeah, this is my Svan song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's uh, nice. It's been, I've been working with the show for 10 years. It's, um, wow. I'm more than pleased. Yeah, <laughs> no. oh, you should be. And it's, it's really hard to, you know, working with these questions all the time. It's always, if the police comes, something is wrong. And I have to, you talk about the people in thin blue lines being relatable and, you know, you think they're real. And uh, I have to invest all my feelings because I want everyone that's in thin blue line to be believable and have mm. a, you know, even if they're, and we have in the first season, I think it's 400 extras, you know, wow. all of them, I have to understand them. The only one yeah. that I don't really um, relate to is the incel in the second episode. <laughs> He's just not relatable. Yeah. yeah. There's these things in, in the characters, like when I'm watching like Magnus and Sarah, they have, because you see their faults, you still like them, but you see all mm. their faults. You see, for those two, it's the will they, won't they, right? Are they going to? Are they not going to be? Together? And then, but also underlying that is this, for them, they do show elements of quite extreme racist behavior but they're good people and they don't mean to and they're trying to learn the sort of endemic in the police force i guess and 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 they're coming up against like the newer police like leah or what's his name uh Uh, khalid khalid with his social media policing which i loved i like the way that in the end it kind of bit him in the ass with people Mm. filming him and of course he's going to fall down at some point because the pressure you know and then that sort of works against him and it's very interesting all of that all the sort of the modern policing versus the sort of slightly more old-fashioned policing of say magnus doing all his weights and training and making sure he eats properly and he's all muscly but then he he plays doesn't he he uh did the sports with the youths with the kids that needed yeah, um, yeah. you know mm-hmm. so he has Handball. a soft side yeah soft side as well so yeah it's it's an intricate character which every human being is you know it's not so one-sided. Yeah, his family is not that soft. His par- parents are quite 
they're really fun to write, but they're not that nice to him. And he has mm. this sister that's, you know, they have a lot of problems with addictions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so they're from a ra- really hard family, I guess. And that yeah. that forms him. His father, that's in, he used to be a police officer too. Uh, so, but Oscar that plays Magnus doing so, you can give him everything. He can be, you know, likable, but mm. doing the <laughs> worst things, yeah. and that's a problem because in Sweden it's like, oh, they're so nice these police officers. That's not not at all at real police officers, especially in Malmö, is not that nice. And I think, well, they aren't that nice, but you like them. Because mm. you know them, and then you yeah. think everything they do is nice, but that's not uh, or nice. But it's not that they can't see behind their own feelings for the people in the show. Yeah, well, you've got you don't. I mean, when you nobody knows what's going on in someone else's mind. But what I like about your show is that you do see all of their life, and you can see. For me, like in the second season, I don't think I'm giving too much away no. here. But oh. when they're having all oh. the refurb- sorry, sorry, refurbishment sorry. of the Hello? police station. It was here that Scylla lost her connection, so there was a brief interlude, but let's get back into it. She came back online within a few minutes, and uh, you know, I thought I'd let you have that sneak peek behind the curtain. Sometimes it just doesn't go as planned. I looked up and you were gone. I was like, oh, I've offended her. <laughs> what have I said? What have I said? Well, I'm leaving now. <laughs> She's left. <laughs> no, get a text I'm saying, no, please it's... remove the entire recording. <laughs> sure which episode it was that i was watching but um it was a general theme wasn't there in season two where the police station was having some upgrades and there's buildings yes so yes it's like drilling and banging and they have to use those toilets the portaloos and you just feel this sort of stress building it's kind of irritating it's like something going on in the background that makes them tense and then they take that yes. out into the streets and that's what I, I found some of that interesting as well. So you never know what anyone is feeling or what their day's been like before they're outside. You know, all of that. I, re- I really enjoyed that sort of tension. Was that in the writing or was that directed in or what, what happened? No, there? it's in the writing. I think Excellent. when I met a police officer early on from a, a police officer from Malmö, I was talking about his work. He said they were renovating or constructing something where he worked and everyone, this was in the summertime, yeah. no, you know, and they all, it was so cold there. So they had to have their um, uniform jackets on all the time mm. and people sat with hats on because it was cold all the time. And the rats, they had a big rat problem really? inside. You know, they don't like when you yeah. do the plumbing. <laughs> so yeah. the rats came up. And right. So I thought this is just funny. And, you know, I have to mirror the stories with all these people coming to work in Sweden and, you know, they're supposed to be okay with everything, but they're not. And I started season two with this story that I took from England with these immigrants in mm. the lorry in oh, Essex. Essex. Essex, yeah. Essex. Oh, it's awful. Uh, Essex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the same story that gotcha. I... Yes. Because it could happen in Sweden. As mm. yeah. the exit, but when it's in England, you think, well, that's far away. That's not our problem, but that's, it could have happened here. So especially in Malmö, when you, I'm not from Malmö, I live in Stockholm. And in Stockholm, we, oh, everything's so cheap in Malmö and it's so nice and laid back and you can buy a falafel for nothing at mm-hmm. all at, you know, half the price that you pay in, in Stockholm and you can cut your hair and 
take a cab right. for nothing. And it's like, yeah, have you ever thought about why it's so cheap? Yeah. Uh, and everyone knows it's because you have a lot of labor that's not paid properly. Mm. And they don't get paid right. And especially at a lot of restaurants and just people doing your nails. And, and I, we're a part of that. Everyone's a part of that. You it's can true. see it or you can't. You can have your nails done for nothing and just look away. That's the world we live and in. If people you don't have... care. They know that, mm. but they don't care. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. um, It's funny talking talking about the police. Just going back to what you said a minute ago um, about the police being nice or something. Are they? Why police? Are they nice? Well, just generally, like our police. If I'm honest, are pretty nice. The ones I've met here, they're they're always decent, friendly. And I was brought up by um, my dad was a bit of a criminal, (laughs) so I was always told (laughs) that the police were were bad. And I was like, don't bring the police to the door, don't answer the door if the police are there, you know that kind of thing. So to me, they were always the boogeyman. And as I've grown up, I've realised, oh no, the police are generally okay, unless you're in London or you're in in America, absolutely not, it's a nightmare. But um, I find them to be completely approachable. They're just people doing a job, and I, I sort of when I see them encountering a problem, say in the city I live in, Newcastle, someone's drunk or whatever, and they're trying to deal with it. And I watch their patience, you know, I watch what they have to deal with and the things they can't say, the things they can, there's a lot of paperwork. It's, I just think, oh, it must be a nightmare to be a police officer. Would never. (laughs) Horrific. uh, (laughs) Horrific, yeah. And all these stupid drunk people all the time. That's the worst. And seeing the same, you know, people, the same man hitting the same wife over and over again and you know kids uh, suffering in you know i would never i would never be able to do and i i agree with you it's a lot of uh, really i never understood that before but it's a, a lot of really nice police officers in sweden too but you only need one yeah. or two and then it's they fuck everything up for everyone. Like everyone. And we have this, yes, yeah. like y- yesterday, uh, we had this uh, situation filmed from a football game in uh, Skåne, not in Malmö, in Helsingborg, with a police oh, yeah. officer that didn't look good, just hammering away uh, on someone sitting down. No. Uh, and, and now it's a big, and you know, then everyone forgets about all the nice officers being there and, you know, talk to people and calming yeah. situations. That, but because that didn't look good at all. Yeah. So I think the worst I've seen this year was in France. I'm not sure exactly. Was it just stop oil or maybe it was something. And the police were just dragging people and throwing them around, just like in your show. But in real life and online, yeah. social media, people were going, yeah, great. The French don't fuck about. They don't take any shit. And I'm like, yeah, but that's just... They're just throwing a woman across the street like it's nothing, and they're dressed like the American police, you know, like transformers. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. What, I don't know what they're doing over there. But uh, I think it's. I met a lot of really nice officers that are doing this for you know helping people, and I think they go into the job wishing they could change something bigger. Mm. I want to be a part of something that can yeah. change. But I think after a while, they're just happy to change just that situation, you know, helping someone right there, right then, not changing the world or the society, but just yeah. helping someone right in that minute. 
for that moment. It's very selfless to go into that because I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I would be a bad police person. Neither because could I. I would, I would immediately probably want to hit someone <laughs> if they started me attacking too. me. And I don't <laughs> hit people. No, but, me neither. You know. to write the show I thought the big problem was taking the job home you know having to deal with something horrible at your work uh, someone you know committed suicide that's a big part of their work and then coming home to your family mm. and like trying to be normal but I understand now the big problem is the opposite you know having problem at home you're having problem with your spouse or your father has cancer or your yeah kid is being bullied that's the problem not to bring that into work true that's true. what they're struggling me with. yeah and that's why my police officers or the police officers in Thindoline has a lot of you know there are a lot of private stories with mm. them so we know what they're dealing with when yeah. they it's are like working. that, that storyline with with jesse when he uh when fanny turns up and i'm watching jesse and i'm going jesse don't don't man don't do it and, and and then he does and then she's around the house and she's sort of getting on with his daughter and they're sort of got more in common than he has yeah and it was just like a couple of years between it was them. Like, oh my god this is so uncomfortable yeah, <laughs> but i really felt for so him too. felt for him yeah you yeah. felt exactly that i wanted you to feel yeah. and that <laughs> Lassam was very uncomfortable with that storyline, but he understood that that's perfect reaction. If mm. he feels, he felt like no, and he'd been so, you know, uh, yes, it's been so popular among real police officers. Yeah. And suddenly I was going to, you know, make him a, a villain. <laughs> but he, you know, if he did the, the right only thing. problem with, yeah, the only problem was she was much younger and, you know, he was her boss, but otherwise they weren't. Could have been a nice story with them. They could have yeah. had the, you know, but that didn't work no. at all. And she's where um, Malo, that plays Fanny, did her very well. Yeah, really, really good. I think I enjoyed that mm -hmm. a lot. I enjoyed watching it. I mean, I was uncomfortable, but um, and I'm, I did. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's funny because normally you go, yeah. Do it, do it. But I'm like, no, don't do it. Mate, please, please don't go there. Don't go there. Run. Go home. Go home, have a shower. She's touching his hand in the car and I'm like, chuck her out the car and drive away. Immediately. to make remakes nowadays because with um, AI you can just make the move, lips move perfectly oh, yeah. so you don't have to remake anything you can just yeah that's, that's quite scary uh, I know to be honest a lot of stuff on Netflix already looks like it's written by AI I know I know <laughs> it's like oh this and again I think you yeah. know one year of away from you know ai writing okay scripts for netflix or we are play or you know and you don't have to pay for them and you don't have to work with the screenwriters that's always late like me or you know they're just going to deliver an okay script i, I don't think yeah. you got to have the human experience i think it will be a, some kind of combination maybe because the thing that you have to work with as a screenwriter, like you can't have that actor that day and it has to be daytime and we can't be anymore in that flat because, you know, all that stuff AI oh, can right. do really quickly and really easy. I but see. it takes 
what takes forever for me like oh no i can't use that actress there so i have to move her you know all that it takes time mm. for me and time is money so if you can have ai think not mm. making up the stories and maybe not write yeah. the, the dialogue but working with stuff like that so do you have to change storylines of cast members dependent on the availability of the actor then yeah i have to it's not hmm. been a big problem one of the greatest thing with thin low line is they always in the same clothes and they work all the time you don't have yeah. to you know uh you can yeah. move things around a lot without it's being strange hmm. and we yeah, had a big yeah. problem when we filmed the second season which was during the pandemic Mm. And during that period, this was like if someone uh, in the family had COVID, the whole family had to stay home for a week. So every morning they called from the production company office and said, you know, now Perry Lasso's kids got COVID. He has to be home for a week. Oh, mm. my God. But, you know, I don't think you can see it. I can see it. Because you don't know what it was yeah, supposed yeah, yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think we were really saved with this. They, they're always someone that owns the scene. <laughs> so that's mm. that's one that's the important for that scene. Then you can move the other. Did that change actually bring about something good in in it that you didn't expect in a different no, scene? No, I something don't think so. No, no, oh, it okay, was too enough. much problem. Just stress. Yeah, but it could have been worse, I can say. Because that's another thing I was thinking of. Um, I guess it's sort of guilt, isn't it, that Magnus feels and he goes to try mm-hmm. and find that that, mm-hmm. that woman. Is she Vietnamese? Vietnamese? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, that she's so scared of, like, losing her job or whatever that she doesn't want his help. And then you can just feel that he's... Again, at that point, I was like, don't, don't help her because you're going to get in trouble because I know what this is. Because I was once in, God, where was I? I think it was Bolivia. Mm-hmm. And I'd split up with an ex and I had a gold chain with me. And for some reason, I decided I'm going to give this to a kid and then they can maybe sell it and get like food for a week or whatever, right? Because okay. I don't want it. I want nothing to do with this thing. It's only worth a couple of hundred pounds or something. And I gave it to this kid outside of a diner, outside of like this this kind of cool sort of um diner in um somewhere, I think Santa Cruz. Anyway, and... She walked off and as she walked off, I saw her friends seeing what she got and then they started fighting and it went and it just this little fight went around the corner. I was like, oh, I've caused a problem there. That yeah. hasn't helped at all. <laughs> I've just literally given her a, a, a fight basically. And I, I sort of, you know, I kind of learned from that and realized that actually sometimes you should just leave it alone. And when he was going to help her, just I could just it. see a can of, can of worms <laughs> opening for him. And then, of course, all the other stuff that comes of it and the sort of trying to find out which police officer did this thing that he didn't do. And yeah, I mean. I think you tried to, you know, be a better person because Sarah, Sarah so she's so nice and do the right thing. So you tried to do mm. that and to make him feel, have a, a meaning, I think. Yeah. It's really, you know, under, he's not that in that, good mood in the beginning of season two as you can yeah, see of course. Yes, of course. Oscar is really good at not looking happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 I, I, I really I love his character I love his character yeah, actually. It's, it's, um, it's, seems quite lonely though when he goes back to his apartment and he's just sitting there they're and, all lonely you know. actually I think yeah of mm. course I know you've worked on lots of projects but it's mostly been television right 
mostly television. Yeah, I've written one feature film that made it to the to, to the movie. And mm-hmm. mostly uh, it's called Chending and Sorry. Shed No Tears, I think. Shed No Tears in English. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. from... Um, I want to see that. It's based on the lyrics and music of one of Sweden's most famous pop artists called yeah. Håkan Hellström. So I made up a story from his lyrics. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. So that was... A, I, I like Håkan Hellström. Not so much yeah, anymore. Yeah. I st- still like him, but I had to listen so much for uh, for two years. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my kids love him. He's great. He's a great artist. Very, very, very yeah. loved in Sweden. And then I made a lot of uh, TV series. Yes, and I've written some books. Mostly for children. Yeah, I so saw one of the titles of your books, Dargan's Catastrophe. Today's catastrophes, yeah, the, the catastrophes of today, you know, the disasters hmm. of today. It's like um, we have this newspaper called Dagens Ny- Nyheter. It's uh, today's news. But this yeah. is today's catastrophes or catastrophes, oh, disasters of today. She's really yeah, worried yeah, yeah. for everything, this girl. It's about yeah. a girl that, you know, hear about everything that's going around and reading the news about you know everyone's dying all the time <laughs> and then so this and she gets she gets a dog and uh, that helps her go out actually right. because she's mostly at home was that inspired by covid then or no, no, no. Was this before was before, before ten years. I Ooh. wrote it in 2013. Yeah, and oh, right. actually, Prophetic. it's actually I had to look it up. Uh, she's one of the things she's worried about. She's worried about everything. Everything is a pandemic. <laughs> I had to look it up. Is she were so? Um, she was before time, but it's not so much about the environment because in 2013. It, hadn't been it's a little bit about the environment but she's mostly mm. you know she's really scared for everything about everything uh, for everything oh. yeah i do worry about like this current generation like my kids as well like the fear all the stuff on the news and even if you sort of shield them from it it's only one click away my kids are i have all the devices locked down but there's stuff on the news they can just turn it on before netflix and see something or an advert for something and i wonder because what i don't want them to have is what you're of a similar age to me so I had a lot of problems with like uh, fear of nuclear war and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, fear the same. But that's the yeah. only thing we had to worry about. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, men in trench coats uh, flashing themselves, maybe. Anyone could take you away in a car, is what yeah. they had here. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's all don't talk to strangers. You will be kidnapped and you'll never come home. Yeah. Terrifying. But the yeah. thing is, today, today's kids have to worry about, you know, real stuff that you have to worry about. But still, mm. you have the newspaper that's hammering away with all the selling papers on scaring people. And oh, of course. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's what the kids read, too. So it's really hard for them to know, is this something I really have to be scared about? Or mm. is this something that's just made up? You know, 95% have cancer without knowing it. You know, this mold oh, yeah, can be cancer. Here, yeah. yeah, all the time, you, oh. you know, be scared Bus all the time. Bus goes past my house and it says, like, you know, one in three men under over 50 will die of cancer. And my kids are <laughs> looking at going, are you going to die of cancer? No. But, but. Not today, anyway. <laughs> So 
social media, it's not making anything. I said to my kids, you know, don't care about anything. You know, just look out for the cars. You know, traffic is the worst. That's the only thing you have to, you know, really mm. have under control and see is this car really stopping for red light? You know, care about that and then try yeah, to yeah, live your life. <laughs> I know. We just we did a little trip uh, with my kids yesterday. We just got back from Manchester. It was an impromptu trip just before the school ends. Mm. And my son was like, are we taking the iPad? And I said, no, we're not taking anything. We just <gasps> took a phone each. He doesn't have a phone. He, has my, he can use my iPad. The other two are younger. They don't. And he's like, what am I going to do? Because you're going to look outside and you're going to see the countryside. And after about an hour, he was like, he really liked it. He was like, oh, I okay. didn't realize they had buildings like that. Oh, there's so many animals out there. <laughs> oh, wow, it's really green. Oh, it's really rainy in the middle of the country. You know, he was seeing all this and it, he wasn't bored. And I, I was really Amazing. proud of him for, for getting, th- not getting through it, but <laughs> 48 hours without going on any device or watching TV or anything. And I thought that was amazing for a kid um, of his generation to be. How old is he? He's nine, nearly nine. ten. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I don't. And think they've grown my, up. Yeah, my kids are nineteen, almost seventeen, and fourteen. You know, they mm. live on their devices, and they do because they have their schoolwork mm. there, and they have their friends yeah. there. They listen to music, and everything is on their phone. And so yeah. it's really hard to say to them, "You can't have that." But I, yeah, the, the youngest, I tried to, you know, she's, TikTok is the worst for her. It's so toxic. Uh, oh, it's abysmal. It's brain, uh, brainwashing. And, uh, but she, she's uh, coming to realize that, that that's a big problem for her because all the, these, you know, rumors always TikTok. And if you you know, a young girl, the only ones, you know, really uh, suffering from social media is young girls, hmm. you know. Yeah, I think it would affect them more, yeah. for sure. And she's definitely affected, yeah. That's the... What age did you let them have a phone or a device? Um, nine, I think. Wow, that's really, that's brave. I can't do it. I'm, I'm In my head, I'm thinking 13, but I'm not sure if I can get that far. Can't get that far. Social media when they were like hmm. 12 and a phone because I needed them to phone home actually from you know from school and going home now you need to yeah yeah. so and all their friends had that's one if I could have kept it from them for a long time when we go away I put one of these in their pocket the apple tracker okay um, (laughs) tracking your children (laughs) I don't really because that's what I, I keep thinking. Like, how did anyone know where I was when I was a kid? They didn't. You, and you survived. Out, I know. But, and I went, I walked to school age eight, nine, and I wouldn't let my nine year old walk to school now. I don't think, not in England anyway. Maybe I it's walked safer there. to I school know. from, you know, the second week in school. I was seven. So that I lived mm. outside Stockholm. You know, it would have been strange with someone having their parents take them to school back then. It's really, I, 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 I mean, that's the only dreams I have now. I can't find my kid. Actually, it was in Stockholm where I, in 2018, I think, we went to Stockholm and my son then, he would have been about four, three or four, in the old town. He was, he just ran ahead of me. You know how they've sort of run into the kind of feet of people and he disappeared for a minute and we couldn't see him and he turned right and he was at the top of a big load of stairs and he was just standing there. 
Uh, thank God I was in Stockholm. But like we couldn't see him for a minute. It's the most scared I've ever been in the old town of Stockholm. Really, really scary. Yeah, I can understand you. <laughs> character do you feel the most affinity with oh okay uh, i have to b- tell you the truth here and it must be hope steadman in 30 something <laughs> have you seen 30 something oh, <laughs> you 30 something. i remember that yeah 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 i never felt so close <laughs> to someone yeah and i was like 19 18 19 i saw it when i when i was really young uh, and yeah, they yeah, were yeah. and i always I've been always been an old soul. Uh, have a, so I really felt close to her, and we looked so much alike before. Uh, and she's really boring. I do remember it being on. It's a great, great, great TV show. Actually, it still really? is. Yes, and it's old, mm. but you know when you, it's really hard to see because you can't find it anywhere. I don't know why. Really? Yeah, that was. I remember that being out, and I remember thinking I would have thought, "Oh, it's so boring. It's like for old people." Because I would have been about nineteen yeah. as well. I was nineteen <laughs> was and thought, like, yeah. "This is great." I still uh, refer a lot to that something, but I and and um, this is a different uh, character. But I really liked Anna in This Life. Do you remember this life. this life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know who you mean. She was. That was a great show. Yes, only I just inspired by old shows that made some impact on me when I was young. And those two did. Would you avoid watching procedural police Based television in case it influenced you or would you, no, would you do anything I, like that no I, I i'm not don't do that so i'm not influenced by that for thin blue line uh this is more if i would say of course i loved hill street blues when i was young and uh of course that's an inspiration but i think thin blue line is more er than you know any show about police officer about a group of people working in the same place where everything is about the life and death in some way. And that's it's closer to ER than to a police show. I understand. Yeah, yeah. I do feel like uh, there's a lot of movement in Thin Blue Line, a lot of people moving around in, in a way that I don't really see that in a normal... Because I think you watch a police TV show in a different country or whatever, the desks are always clear... They've always got their own offices. Whereas in your show, not really see much of the police station. It's more like the meeting room, isn't it? Where they start their day and then some hallways and then they're outside for most of it. So it's, it's them in the streets really for most of it, isn't it? Yeah, really. because we decided yeah. early on with Sana, I mean, not, you know, a, a regular police officer sits at the desk, you know, typing for like 50% of the work time. But we didn't want mm. to show that because that's boring. Yeah. And the, all yeah. you've seen a lot of police offices and they're boring too. We did, I wanted mm. it to be full of life. Police officer's life, I think one of the things I thought was interesting was you never know what's going to happen. And that doesn't mean it's going to happen something very spectacular. It can be, mm. But you don't know what your next job 
or what you're going to do in half an hour. And I think yeah, that I, I wanted that to be shown in this show, you know, this, no, this you unex- definitely, definitely yeah. did that. And many people want to be police officer of the, for that reason, because they don't want to sit at the same desk every day for the rest of their life. And they like not knowing what's going to happen when they go to mm. work. And I think that sounds horrifying. <laughs> they don't know. And one day no, you no. go and nothing happens. And the next day you have a big fire when 39 people die. So you never know when you're... And I've, we wanted to capture that. mentioned Helsingborg earlier and that's the first town I ever went to in Sweden because I went yeah. from is it Helsingborg to Helsingborg on a boat I think from, from Denmark Helsingborg and, yeah um, in Denmark yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it was and I was so excited I was like oh my god I'm in Sweden it was the first but I was on my way to Oslo on a boat so I was only there for like an, a couple of hours and um I was walking around oh, I'm in Sweden this is great I uh went to this little shop and they had like this wooden monkey. So I remember this little wooden monkey. And I thought, yeah, well, no, that's... exactly. The, yeah, oh, it's you know famous. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I, th- I went to. It's on the shelf. Yeah. And I went to buy it. And I thought, yeah. that's so cute. Oh, I'm going to take that. I'd never a lot of money at the time. I was working in theatre. And um, so I bought it and I put it on a credit card, thinking it was, I don't know, 20 pounds or something. And then I went out of there and I sat down at a cafe and I ordered a coffee and I paid up front. And she told me how much kroner it was. And then I realized what I'd bought was like, 180 pounds or something yeah <laughs> i was like oh, it's a designer fuck. monkey oh fuck <laughs> fuck what have i done i completely got this wrong i got the exchange rate wrong and i never do and i ran out of there and i went back and i had to give the guy i said i've got to return this i'm really sorry can you and he goes well we'll have to charge you a certain amount you know off the credit card or whatever so i paid some money like 15 pounds or something what? just to buy this monkey and return it so <laughs> that was my first ever experience in sweden <laughs> And that was in Helsingborg. And I felt like it was my fault. I was just not paying attention. I was very stupid. No, you're supposed to. You can return and everything you <laughs> want to with all the money back. It's a designer monkey. You're supposed to have it in your shelf, bookshelf. I'll ask you one more question and I'll let you go. I'll ask you a fun one. Who was the first person on television that gave you a fuzzy feeling inside? Your first TV crush? <sighs> oh, hmm. I think Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. Or Fred Astaire. Ah. Are we talking uh, Abbey Road, Paul McCartney? Or later? Yes. Yes. When you look cool. So before me, actually. Yeah. But Fred Astaire. I wrote my first love letter to Fred Astaire. Really? Strange. Yes. <laughs> On my mother's typewriter. Okay. you got to tell us more about this. I don't know. I, I just loved him. I thought... I. You watched everything that was on when I was a kid. You know, oh, it's something on the telly. Let's mm. watch it. You know, we had two channels and they, the last program was at 10 and it started at, you know, six o'clock in the afternoon or something. Mm. And I loved all those dance movies from the 50s, you know, with, with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. And I think they were on quite often. All the time. I saw so, them too. Black and white time. movies. So I, I love them. He was amazing. I was so in love with him. But I was so in love with Paul McCartney. But, but because, not the Paul McCartney. You're from the 60s. Yeah, Before yeah. I was born. Yeah, yeah. The cool Paul McCartney. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess... Um, the thing I, re- I remember writing that love letter, and that is that's actually the first first thing I remember writing, and I know exactly where I, uh, 
where I put my mother's typewriter and where I sat when I wrote it. But I don't know where what I wrote in the letter. Wow. That's amazing. Your first writing is to Fred Astaire. I always thought he had quite an old man face when he was young. It's like Daniel Craig. Yes. Just always he looked was old. so thin. Oh, yeah, So yeah. he couldn't be, yeah. He had not, no baby fat at all. And I wrote to Fred Astaire in the 50s. I didn't write to the 70s. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah. The, the Fred Astaire in the, the, the same age, uh, at the same time that I wrote. And never mind. I wrote to someone that... Mm. that uh, were in the 50s. But I know my father used to be really thin when he was young. I think uh, I had a thing for, you know, really thin men. Mm. <laughs> and I, those movies are amazing. Yeah, they, they are, are. Ama- and they still are amazing. I love, I think the movie I watched the most times is Singing in Rain. I've seen, yeah, seen it so scene. many times and yeah. it's still great. And I'm so happy I showed it to my kids and they liked it too. Where do you even watch things like that now? I think because I talk about this often enough that people who my age or your age or a bit older, a bit younger, there's that era where there wasn't so much what they now call content and there wasn't so much available. So a lot of things were repeated. So for me, I don't know if, what it was like in Sweden, but there was a lot of bewitched Mr. Ed, 60s TV show, Batman, mm. really 60s stuff mm. and, and lots of 50s movies and all of, I like, I'm a big comedy guy. So for me, I remember seeing all of the Jerry Lewis movies, Albert and Costello. Uh, all these comedy movies that I don't know when I saw them, but I know them all, and I would have seen them all before I was ten years old. Definitely, yeah. You know, grew up on them. I didn't see those shows because we saw, you know, foreign TV or shows from abroad mm. that a special program from them. Yeah, it was called the window to you know foreign TV, mm. and that we had a show about the TV show about. TV in other countries. And of course we saw, you know, I talked about Unedin Linjen. Do you remember that? With the big ship uh, that was in the 70s. Unedin line? Is that what it is? Yes. About, yes. Do you remember that? That was really big. But mostly, you know, there were only... SVT had two channels that were on from like six in the afternoon to ten. You know, how many programs and the news and sports and, you know. Not much for kids. Some, not much for kids and not so many programs. Yeah, yeah. No. I'm showing my son the comedy show Red Dwarf, which he loves, which I loved when I was like 18. And he's watching, he loves it. But I'm like, you know, this is like 35 years old, right? <laughs> Yeah, mm. but th- still they listen to, you know, music from every age. Mm. My youngest, she will come to me and, you know, listen to this song. It's like, well, I listened to that. It came when I was young, when I was 14. Yeah. And she she doesn't know that because it, it's all coming from TikTok or yeah, yeah, from yeah. some, so like Kate Bush in, yeah. uh, in um, Stranger Things. Yeah, they, true, true. It's new for them, yeah, yeah. but you know, I told told her this is an old song. Yeah, it's yeah. from when I was a kid. It's like okay, and I listen mostly to the music that was right there, right then. Yeah, my kids and do some, that. They come home, and my son comes home, and he says, "Dada, do you know um, Mr. Boombastic?" And I'm going, "Yeah, why are you talking about that?" <laughs> or he came home and he was singing like um, the Macarena. It's like the Macarena. Oh, okay. From what, 1993? Why are you singing that? Because, oh, it's a, it's a meme yeah. or something. And, and, and I know. It's a meme it's like, or something from TikTok. Like, or how do you know that you... song? I goes, what do you mean? I was, I was there. <laughs> I know the yeah. song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And my kids really listen funny. to Fleetwood Mac and I like, okay, because they've, hmm. 
or maybe in a TV show. You know, my daughter, she watches uh, Riverdale mm. with my husband. And it's a lot of music there mm. from all, you know, all ages. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly think, oh, this is nice. and she, Or she listens to the soundtrack on Spotify. And mm. so I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it's like, a good thing. They are very aware mm, of all, yeah. everything. They show me some, they show me some new stuff, but like, um, I think my son, who was at school, and they did some test about music or whatever. And he was the only one that knew who David Bowie was. So I was very happy. I was very happy with that. You should be proud. <laughs> and this is, I can't hear that David Bowie was, you know, my number one. Oh, me too, me too. Uh, yeah, I was the first album I ever bought with my own money, Scary Monsters. Yeah. Oh, the same. Really? Well, I actually bought one album before that. Yeah. Lodger. It was the second. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could do a Bowie podcast <sighs> if you want. <laughs> I've got a lot. I've got a lot of time. Okay. Oh well, I think we'll we'll wrap it up. Okay. It was nice to meet you. Thank you for doing this. Yes. Really appreciate it. Say hello to Sanna from me. I will. Thank you so much. Okay. Speak to you again. Bye. Bye. Silla Jakert, the screenwriter and author from Sweden. She's responsible for soon-to-be three seasons of Tunnabla Linjen, The Thin Blue Line, along with Shed No Tears, and her book, which she mentioned as well, which there'll be links to all of this in the bottom of the episode in the show notes. Now, before you start messaging me, I realised there were not a lot of questions in that one. It was more to do with her sort of life and her experience of writing the TV show that she works on, right? Which is all part of television. It's all the same thing. Sometimes we get around to some questions, sometimes we don't. I'm sure with some guests we won't even get around to questions. It's just, uh, it's all about television. That's the whole point. This was a bit of an insider view. And it was a bit darker and it was a bit more serious, wasn't it, really? Let's uh, be honest about it. Uh, I do endeavour to make this podcast a comedy podcast as much as I can. But occasionally we'll get a, a straight episode. And that's what that was. And uh, you don't need to watch Tunnabla Lingen to get you know, an idea of uh, what she was talking about. I mean, you should, because it's a fucking great show. It's absolutely brilliant. But what I'm saying is it's uh, it's behind-the-scenes look, isn't it, to how a writer feels writing her show and all the intricacies in that process. And I think that was a really good little meet-up and a little chat. I didn't know Scylla. I didn't know her at all. So it was like, you know, it was a bit random for me. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you got something out of it. And if these two episodes with her and Sana don't make you go watch the show, then I don't know what will. Okay, go to Viaplay, watch the show. It's brilliant. Tuna la linyan. Now to today's outro track. It's called Beat the Fat Man. It's a song from We Are Animals, one of my favourite albums, recorded in 2006 in Japan. I think I wrote it on piano at some point. I don't know where. Don't ask me. No idea. I think if I'm honest, it had a dual meaning. It was sort of about myself and, and you know, looking internally and, and trying to sort of be healthy and things like that, while also looking at it from a world standpoint at the time in a sort of point in time where basically America was at war with so many countries and I was sort of equating the country to be a person and if that person was you know America as a sort of personified human being that person would be quite sick and quite fat and I think that's what I was doing there so it's not anti-American I think it's just a sort of point on consumerism capitalism uh, post 9-11 world political situation Um, but it's a good song and this is it. Beat the Fat Man. Orchestral. Made by me. Written by me. Recorded in Japan. Enjoy. Hey baby. Hold on to my expanding waistline. 
See McDonald's for the 51st time Or you could have me taken out Hey mama Ain't nothing but a teen condition Four thousand dollars and a clean incision There's things that we can do without Hey fat man, they got something to tell you But they don't want to say it to your face Your world doesn't seem so neat, boy And your life, it's a terrible disgrace And everybody says they love you But they don't really need it And everybody says they love you Hey, maybe He needs a little vindication In different people in a new Then maybe he could work it out Hey Papa, ain't nothing sadder than a fat man smoking To be alarmist isn't thought-provoking We haven't got that much to shout about Hey fat man, they've got something to tell you But they don't want to say it to your face world doesn't seem so neat, boy And your life, it's a terrible disgrace And everybody says they love you But they don't really mean it And everybody says they love you something to tell you but we don't like to say it to your face the world doesn't seem so neat boy your way of life it's a terrible mistake and everybody says they love you but we don't really mean it and everybody says they love you but we don't really mean it and everybody says they love you Okay, that was Beat the Fat Man by me, Steve Otiskan, from the album We Are Animals, which, as I've mentioned many times, I do intend to remaster next year with all the things I have on my plate. Uh, Come back next week, follow the show, uh, leave a review if you can. There'll be a great episode again next week. And uh, there's some exciting news for the new year, but I'll keep that under my hat for now. Uh, I hope you enjoyed Television Times podcast episode 29. Come back next week for the 30th episode. Can you believe it? 30. See you then. (laughs) 